0: Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where, when a pathetic stranger falls in love with you, chloroforms you, and ties you to a chair in his basement, you gotta admit, this never would have happened if you were more of a Jessica. (laughs) Book number 13, Kidnapped.
1: Elizabeth's Nightmare is about to begin.
0: Hi, welcome. I am Marissa Flaxbart, your host, and with me today is Misha Stanton. Hello, Misha. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here and to be here in your beautiful studio. Thank you very much for is, coming. I, I, It's just such a thrill to have like real producer's voice in the headphones. And I can hear your headphones. It's just, you know, I, I just like have craved this legitimacy and now I feel like I've attained it.
1: It almost feels like you're not in my closet in my bedroom in my apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, to me, this is this is a step up. So. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. I'm thrilled to be here, and thank you so much. Do you want to talk at all a little bit about this? Is there's a reason why there's a studio in your closet? This is not your first podcast. Yeah, rodeo. sure.
1: I make a ton of podcasts, uh, both more and less. Uh, budgeted? Supported, maybe? Um, sure. Uh, I started out doing uh, independent audio dramas uh, with a team that is now under the name The Whisper Forge. We have uh, two podcasts currently going, uh, Star Tripper, which is a uh, space comedy, and The Far Meridian, which is a magical realist tale, uh, which is coming back for its second season. It's
0: so exciting.
1: I also uh, am the sound designer for LeVar Burton Reads, the I didn't know that. Yeah, which comes back on uh, July 24th, which is like this week. If as we're recording this, I'm not sure when this comes out, but soon that's it will be amazing. there. amazing.
0: I actually had no idea about Lavar Burton reads, and I love Lavar Burton. One of the shows that I watched regularly is a kid. I was always in front of the TV yeah. watching PBS as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, this new Mister Rogers documentary. Just, oh yeah, wow.
1: I really need to see it.
0: Oh my gosh, I was crying from like the first scene, and like not sad tears. It was just like
1: oh, like that's happy, gonna,
0: grateful tears. It's
1: gonna be me though.
0: Yeah, but I I watched Reading Rainbow so much and have so many like memories of specific books from Reading Rainbow.
1: Yeah. And um, um this this show is basically like Reading Rainbow for grown-ups. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into this book. Uh uh, are they all like this?
0: Uh, well, that's a great question, and I think I have found that the guests uh, on the show thus far almost always ask that question. But I can honestly say to you, no, they are not always like this. This book is unique in the canon thus far.
1: Okay, it's very intense.
0: Um, it has an exclamation point on the cover.
1: Do they? Oh, that's that's also unique.
0: That's that's pretty unique. It doesn't happen too often. Okay. Um, I think I think this might be the first one. It's not the uh, last.
1: I in, in my copy of the book, which you lovingly gave me from your collection uh, to read, there are only a couple that have uh, exclamation points, uh, others of which are Crash Landing and Hostage. Yes. Jeez, oh. wait a minute. I didn't read that before. What? So by the time Hostage comes around,
0: you're kind of like... It, it, like, when the guest for the Hostage episode comes on, whenever we do that one, and they ask me, are they all like this? I'll say, eh, you know, there's, there's been a couple <laughs> like this. Oh, <laughs> um, my goodness. Hostage has some some echoes of Kidnapped, to be sure. But um, in order to uh, talk about uh, Kidnapped, I think that a good place to start is where we always start on the podcast, which is the cover of the book. You know, you're a young girl in the aisles of the bookstore, and you see the cover of this book, and, you know, what's your first impression?
1: My first impression of this cover is that this is a horror scenario. I have seen uh, poses that uh, are similar to this cover in many horror films uh, with a, a young teen woman uh, facing away from a hand trying to clutch her yes. and her turning around in fright. And that's a pretty pervasive image these days.
0: Yes, and it's It's definitely scary. The girl in question is Elizabeth. She's got her hands in front of her face like she's about to sneeze or something. And the (laughs) hand is just kind of reaching out from the side.
1: Honestly, it looks like she was whispering something or like shouting to someone far away. But she's on like just a plain white background.
0: Right, which we know from reading the book is not accurate to what really happened. No. Um, So as anyone could probably put together based on the title and the cover of this book, Elizabeth gets kidnapped in this book. Now, if you didn't have the cover or the title to read and you just started reading this book... You'd have to get to chapter three before you knew what happened if to If I just, like,
1: stumbled on Sweet Valley High number 13.pdf on my computer, a file I had not seen in many, many years, and opened this to read this story, I would be shocked.
0: <laughs> well, elaborate on
1: that. Uh, Well, this story, like, opens with a really, you know, stereotypically teen situation. With, right.
0: We've got Jessica Wakefield. She's in her bedroom, she's getting dressed, ready for a party.
1: Yeah, and there's some overtones with the older brother that we yes! also like to discuss. We definitely
0: must. <laughs> Great. Uh, her older brother, Stephen? Yes. Uh, come well, from college. He's like always home from college these days.
1: Okay. Does he just not even go to college then? Well, as you
0: may have read Between the Lines and listeners, if you've listened to episode 12, which I hope you have, just listen to them all in order. That's my tip for, our, for <laughs> anyone who's listening. Um uh, to hear me on this podcast, I mean, I know it's a lot to ask to get all the way to thirteen. Oh
1: no, it's going to be great. This- it
0: is. <laughs> Thank you. But in uh, book twelve, Stephen finds out that his girlfriend is dying of leukemia.
1: Oh, my God, a walk to remember, no.
0: Yeah, yeah. No! Um, So that's maybe why he's home more often.
1: That makes more sense. Now I feel bad for making fun of it.
0: No, no, you should make fun of it because it is uh, not handled very elegantly in book 12. And in this book, the overtones that you mentioned.
1: He comes out of the shower to her zipping up skimpy clothing. Yeah,
0: she needs to help zipping up her dress, and he zips it up, which already felt a little bit like I'm trying to picture a teenage brother and sister helping each other with this, and it's like,
1: I don't know. Is that a thing that happens? I'm not sure. I I, I don't know. I'm not a woman. Is that a thing that happened in your You ask your older brother to zip I'm up your dress? I'm
0: child. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, but I actually highlighted a quote. Um, uh, so Jessica's dress is very skimpy it's first described as as low-cut as a 16 year old could get away with yes then we find out that she purposefully got dressed after her parents left the house because she knew they wouldn't let her leave the house in this dress she's getting ready to go to a big party at the morrow's house that they've moved into this new manor which could be a whole tangent now that i bring it up But
1: i want to know their lives it's fine but we'll
0: get to we'll get to the Marrows because uh, she's going to a party at their house. But Stephen uh, notices that this dress is revealing, and I'm going to go ahead and read this uh, section. She asks Stephen how she looks. Nice was what Stephen told her. Nice, she echoed bitingly. Is that all you can say? Stephen laughed. Oh come on, Jess. You know you look great. Really, you do. That's more like it. Jessica grinned. But have mom and dad seen that dress? Stephen continued. It looks a little, um, grown up to me. Oh, Stephen, would you stop treating me as if I were a baby? What would you like me to wear, bib overalls? No, Jessica, I just meant that it looks a little, uh, sexy. Jessica cut in. Alluring, perhaps? You're putting it mildly, Jess. The way you look, you'll be fighting off at least 90% of the guys in Sweet Valley.
1: Okay, Marissa. <laughs> so when I read it, I already thought it sounded like the beginning of a porn. And then you read it to me out uh-huh. loud, and it just double-down confirmed my beliefs.
0: I I have to assume that the author is just trying to really get across to us that Jessica is very sexy. But this was a weird Having a the brother yeah. be
1: the vessel by which that occurred is a little yeah. weird for a kid's book, for a yeah. teen book. Um yeah. So it it. Where were we?
0: <laughs> I mean, that's all that. I mean, we're like on page four, but oh. it's like really distracting right away because Stephen is helping her get dressed. She's ready, getting ready to go to the party. Yeah. And then Stephen just leaves the house, and it's you know just a blip in time. But in that moment, since you're all, we were both already thinking, oh, it's funny that he's just zipping up her dress straight out of the shower. Like this is a very like, I don't know. You're picturing them like sort of nude bodies, or
1: it's, it's yeah, weird. it's weird there it's just like at least i was because of the language and the the blocking of the scene it's just like a little smuttier than i expected yeah, this book to yeah. start i have to imagine that because these are like teen soap opera novels mm-hmm. that this is not like an uncommon maybe not between the brother and the sister but like this kind of sexy scenario is not uncommon in the series
0: There are tons of sexy scenarios, almost exclusively sexy scenarios. Right. And um, just never any sex.
1: I mean, that's wholesome.
0: Yeah. Or whatever. (laughs) In a way.
1: Uh, And then my whiplash came when we get to why this book is called Kidnapped, and it's so not that anymore at all, and I just, whoa.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) chapter one, Jessica is waiting for Elizabeth at home. She's... Not showing up. Uh, Jessica is so anxious to get to this party because she wants to meet hunky Nicholas Morrow.
1: So dreamy. His family
0: just moved into the gigantic mansion at the top of the hill that's like so big and grand that even the other ridiculously wealthy families in town couldn't afford to live there. You know, how
1: you had in your hometown.
0: But it is a ridiculously wealthy uh family. They live in this crazy big mansion. Jessica is really excited because she's heard uh, that an 18-year-old boy is moving to town and she's like she wants to like sink her claws into him.
1: Before everyone else can, apparently there's going to be like a feeding frenzy at this party. Yeah,
0: yeah. And she in, uh, ends up calling Carol Walker to pick her up and take her to the party, even though she was supposed to wait for Liz. But Liz had a big night plan because she's a candy striper at the hospital. That factored into Book 12. She then was supposed to tutor Max Dellen in... English?
1: Yeah, it uh, his with his Shakespeare homework.
0: Yeah, he's reading Othello, and he does not get it. Although I think the book makes a pretty fair case for Othello being a challenging text.
1: Othello is one of the more challenging Shakespeare plays you can give to a, a high school class.
0: Well, I know it's a little bit early for this segment, but we have a new segment this season of Sweet Valley Diaries called Collins Collins Watch 2018, 2018. where we talk about Mr. Collins and um, how sexy he is. And (laughs) this line comes from Jessica, uh, who says, Well, Mr. Collins practically begged her to tutor Max. I guess I can understand her not being able to say no to that man, Jessica said, picturing the handsome teacher whom she'd always considered Sweet Valley's contribution toward beautifying America. (laughs) <laughs> oh, my
1: goodness. That Mr. Collins.
0: Whew, yeah, so boy. he asked Elizabeth to tutor Max. And so there's a lot of excuses as to where Liz is. Jess can't wait anymore. She writes a note to Liz and goes off to the party.
1: And she leaves it where? She leaves it in, like, the kitchen or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. And she even, like, lays out clothes for Liz. Like, it's all, it's all pretty reasonable, I thought.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I you, mean... <laughs> you know how you pick out your outfit for your twin sister?
0: Yeah, it's just, like, normal twin stuff. So... <laughs> Um, she goes to the party and we, like, all of this happens. And then, finally, chapter three, we land Yeah, with, with Elizabeth.
1: Yeah, in chapter two, I mean, we get the scope of, like, the Moros and stuff. And we just go so into detail and we're still following Jessica. And there's this, like, mystery hanging in the background of, like, Liz was supposed to be here.
0: Right. And there, she's wondering, and she, actually, even she has this chill that she gets at home before she leaves the house. There's this moment where she, this, like like shiver comes over her oh my gosh you're right yeah and she, but she ignores it she goes to the party yeah i mean i guess it's worth mentioning even though kidnapped like we're i'm so desperate to get to that part of the story but the it's worth talking about chapter two right i mean yeah because they're at this crazy mansion there's like a ferrari outside
1: yeah i do also want to point out that jessica knows way more about cars than i do uh, sure, she, sure. I don't know anything cars, and she's got like exact make and model numbers yeah. down, yeah. memorized. She's very into it.
0: Right. Uh, she. I, I don't know if she knows the model or if the book just knows the model, but the, the book lo- definitely expects young readers to be excited about the model number of this red Ferrari.
1: And that's the other thing is it doesn't seem like the author knows a lot about cars, but that <laughs> Je- she wanted to make Jessica know a lot about cars, so she like. Google probably wasn't around, but she like Googled like cars real quick. Right, right. She went to the library. <laughs> yeah. She
0: checked out the Kelly Blue book. Oh my god, she like... did have.
1: They did have to put some effort into yeah, it. Then okay, yeah.
0: that's good to to acknowledge <laughs> and like say thank you to the ghostwriters of the eighties. Thank you
1: for being so specific with your making, car yeah. making models, so Jessica can be so knowledgeable.
0: But it's really worth mentioning, I think one reason why it is such a whiplash thing when we finally get to Chapter 3 is that there is so much information being thrown at us in Chapter 2. Now, for you, this is all new, your yeah. first Sweet Valley High novel. But for any reader, like, we're meeting new characters. We're in a brand new place. There's, like, a, a, a hunched-over old man who's, like, their butler who doesn't oh, know the way around
1: the house. Does he come back? He doesn't come back. No, he the, never comes back. Book.
0: Nor does another character that is important who we meet in Chapter 2, Regina Morrow.
1: Oh, yeah. I really wanted more of her in the book. She was great.
0: Well, Regina does end up becoming a... Big character over the course of the next several books.
1: That's good. I, I imagine so. Otherwise, I don't know why you would introduce her here in right. the middle of this other adventure. She's a
0: beautiful young woman. She meets Kara and Jessica. Jessica notices that she's only talking to Kara and ignoring Jessica, and she's like, "What is this bitch's problem?" <laughs> like, uh, like, hello, I'm here. And she says a few things from over on the side, like she calls out to Regina, like asks her questions. Regina doesn't see Jessica talking until Jessica asked a question about if where the booze is at the party. Yeah. And then Regina is like, it's not that kind of party. But she very quickly reveals that the reason she couldn't she wasn't ignoring Jessica. She's deaf. And so she couldn't hear Jessica. Yeah. Now, I don't have any trouble believing that Regina Morrow is just a beautiful girl, that she has handled her handicap excellently, elegantly, and that she is really good at reading lips. Like, she's had a lot of training. She's had the best teachers. I'm sure her family's very wealthy. But I do have a hard time buying that these, like, they had no, Jessica was just completely clueless.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, they definitely, I mean, I think they take it to extremes to really hammer home that like jessica's in her own world at this party they're in like from her getting ready like liz being late doesn't matter steve whatever you know she's here for nicholas and and she makes the whole situation kind of about herself and um i do have trouble thinking that kara or her brother wouldn't be like hey she's trying to talk to you like hey
0: yeah. turn your head yeah. in this
1: direction please the bo- or
0: the book really sells and i will say continues to sell about regina that nobody would ever know that she was deaf if she didn't tell them or someone didn't tell them that she was deaf yeah um which you know it's a good story plot i feel like it's sort of unrealistic
1: but i don't actually know anyone who is deaf i i wouldn't disbelieve it for sure Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, well, I understand, I definitely understand as someone who grew up with a disability wanting to go to great lengths to conceal your difference from other kids. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. Uh, I had, I have really visible, um, like, I don't know if there's scars or bruises or, or what, but they've been on my legs since I was a kid and I used to get made fun of a lot and so I understand. like I used to just wear long pants even in the middle of summer um and like conceal it so I, I definitely understand put, putting in that much effort to seem that way yeah the book doesn't really go into how much is what you're right sort of really glazes over that moment as yeah. soon as it's done.
0: You're right. Well, and I don't want... I certainly don't want to be callous in my desire to sort of, like, make fun of this book and the <laughs> the unreality of it. Which is part of my my complex love-hate relationship with this whole series. Is that <laughs> I love it so much. I just want to keep reading them. But I also, like, really enjoy uh, kind of uh, making fun of the books. But I will say that um, to give the book credit and uh, the author of the book credit... It moves on f- to the introduction of the fact that Regina's deaf, um, with I think a certain amount of grace. You know, Nicholas is her-, her older brother enters the room and is a, like defensive, like a little bit protective of mm-hmm. Regina. Is concerned that maybe Jessica's offer to get Regina into PBA is a. That's Pi Beta Alpha. That's the yeah, no. sorority.
1: Oh, that's the th- high school sororities. Is that a yeah, thing? You have I sororities in high school?
0: Book. I sure didn't.
1: I my college only had six fraternal slash sororal yeah, societies. Yeah, yeah.
0: I went to a real um, low Greek life college as well. But apparently, this <laughs> high school has sororities. All right. And uh, when Jessica offers to get Regina into PBA, Nicholas says she doesn't need your pity. And Jessica's like, whoa, whoa, that's really not what I meant. And says something like, I think that she's competition, if anything, for all the boys in school. So, like, I don't pity her. Which, <laughs> I, I just really like that.
1: I would be interested to see how it continues to address the subject or not address the subject. I don't know much about Regina as a character. She seems yeah. cool in this one scene where we meet her. And I think she would be cool in the rest of the series if you wrote it that way. Yeah,
0: I think maybe that's where where some of my, um, like jadedness is coming from, is that I feel oh. like having read more books in the series, I feel like where it goes from here with Regina is a little bit, it is a little bit like, now that we've talked about it, we don't have to talk about it again. They bring it up, but it's always just a a tone of like, oh, you'd never know that there was something wrong with her. I, oh. I, just, I wish they were a little bit, a little bit yeah, more the- like, embraced it and just like, let her be this, I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, now I understand. Now we're on the same Readers,
0: page. Listeners, you may disagree with me, and that's fine, cause, because I could also see... Uh this being a thing where maybe, I mean, Regina is very beautiful and she is very popular. So that's great, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, anyway.
1: So, Jessica, you're right. There's a lot of, like, whiplash that comes with, oh, the first chapter is Jessica getting ready for this party. And j- chapter two is Jessica at this party. And chapter three is Elizabeth gets kidnapped.
0: Yes. She's waking up from, she doesn't remember what happened. and She's in the trunk of a car. Yeah, she's she remembers a few things. Uh, she remembers being at the hospital and then now she she can't see. Oh, her she's got a gag in her mouth and her eyes are covered. And she her can't hands see are bound. Her hands are bound. She can tell she's still wearing her candy stripper uniform, but she doesn't remember what happened to her. Yeah. And then in comes and uh, the, somebody.
1: Yeah, the, I mean it's it she comes to and she's like in the trunk of this car and then she Remember, she like slowly remembers what happens to her, and it turns out that someone or she doesn't recognize at first, but just like someone has her, someone took her from the parking lot of the hospital. Yeah, and her car is still there, and like it's open, and the keys are in the ignition, and she she, they just took her. Yeah, and it's just such a one eighty from Jessica having a nice time with a boy at a party. Yeah. Yeah, that like that's why I ask like how many are like this. Because that is bonkers. Well,
0: and it's like, it is such a 180 because, and then that comes back to bite Jessica, right? Because Jessica spends a lot of this book feeling like she's so guilty that she didn't realize that something was seriously wrong. And how could she possibly be having a good time and thinking about having a good time when Elizabeth was uh, being kidnapped? And if only she'd... Like, realize sooner that Elizabeth was kidnapped. Anyway, so Elizabeth, what happens with Elizabeth? Let's, we can go back to Jessica. In yeah, a sure, sure, sure. The person that has kidnapped Elizabeth reveals himself, like, not
1: dramatically like a Batman villain. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and it's Carl, this orderly.
1: Do we know Carl? Is Carl a person we've seen before? Only
0: in the last book. Carl has been sort of creeping around. And it's, they mention in this book that at one point he dropped something on the floor and Elizabeth. Um, helped him pick it up. Yeah. And that she's been kind of noticing him stare at her, but she hasn't told anybody that she felt uncomfortable. Right. Um, And
1: that's all just in this book? It's self-contained or is is it in like a previous book? It was the lead up to this. It was
0: like a sea story in the last book only. Okay. They weren't even candy stripers before the last book.
1: Okay, got it.
0: The first thing that happens after Carl takes the gag out of Elizabeth's mouth
1: she, oh, she starts screaming. She
0: screams, help me, help me.
1: Because, why? Well, of course you yeah. would.
0: Which this really wigs Carl out because he's like, don't you understand? Like, I'm not going to hurt you. I love you.
1: Whoa. It's so creepy. It's so creepy. And, oh my goodness, I don't know how... I don't know how old this guy is, but it's not a good number.
0: He's twenty-five. Oh, that's still not a good number. It's Weird. <laughs> it's it's weird for a twenty. But I feel like I think of him as older. But the book describes Elizabeth as thinking that he seems younger because he's like, I don't know. He's I think maybe he's childlike demeanor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he like strokes her. Like the first thing he does is he unbraids her
1: hair. Oh my and god! Strokes Dad. her hair. Uh, and she's, she's just sitting there, and you're in her perspective, and she's just like, uh, It's very effectively creepy. Yes.
0: Yeah. And Elizabeth is, like, right on the ball. She's like, how am I going to escape? She notices that the door is not that locked. Like, there's only one lock. And mm-hmm. she's like, I can get through that real fast. Which, I was like, really? Okay. Um, and, yeah, she.
1: I mean, she snaps into, like, very capable mode.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, she says something like, like building trust with him would take time. Time was something Elizabeth didn't have, and I remember reading that, thinking, "Like, really? I mean, she probably does have it. Like, where's she got to be? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, she didn't find out that she didn't. Ha- she-, that she had a time limit until later.
0: Yeah, it was Saturday. You know, <laughs> like she doesn't have anywhere she's got to be right now.
1: Well, and what? Another thing that throws me about these scenes, the scenes with Elizabeth and Carl, in I think what they're in, like an abandoned house.
0: It's in a basement, and it's got like shitty furniture and no decorations on the walls. Yeah.
1: what, what? gives me such like like whiplash about it is that the scenes with Elizabeth in the basement are described the exact same way in the same style as the scenes at the party so it gives them like equal weight Yes. And it's like, yeah, and there's a thing happened at the party, and also this really dark thing. And you're like, no, wait, go back to the dark thing. That was... I'm worried. Yeah. Stop. I, yeah, they,
0: you're, you're right. The things that happen with Carl are very creepy. Yeah. It's, like, effectively creepy. But I was also almost, in a weird way, kind of impressed. Well, like let me just say... <laughs> okay. Let me just say, you know, in my teaser... At the beginning of this episode, I kind of make light of the fact that Elizabeth should never have been nice to this Carl guy. And this is something that goes through her head. She's like, if only I had not been, like, friendly to him, if only I weren't so tr- like such a trusting, like, kind person, this yeah. wouldn't have happened to me. Which is not—it's a message that I—really uh, makes me sad, and I firmly— believe that, like, reaching out to the other is one of the, like, highest callings that we have as human beings. It's something that is so powerful. And someone like Carl, in reality, like, reaching out to him to help him could be something that is, like, it's just a little gesture for her, but it's, like, world-changing for him. Mm-hmm. In this book, that's kind of true, except to, to Carl, he takes that opening that's like,
1: we're in love, I love you. Yeah, th- I mean, that also, it, like... It really accurately portrays a modern sense of like male entitlement that, like, Mm -hmm. I love her, therefore I'm gonna put her in a shack and tie her to a chair.
0: Speaking of which, um, this week I had to really struggle to find a forced forced metaphor, metaphor, (laughs) which is the new segment I'm trying to get off the ground. Okay. And the one that I found was I mean, it is forced, but it's also like kind of creepy. And it is. From toward the end of the book, when Elizabeth is trying to kind of talk some sense into Carl and tell him, like, look, um, you say you love me, but you have me tied up here, like, caged like an animal. Yeah. And he says, I don't like having to do this, but you're like a beautiful bird to me, so beautiful and yet so willful. I had to put you in this cage so you wouldn't fly away from me, but it won't be this way forever. Soon you'll be free. I wish he means he's gonna take her off to like a mountaintop. Yeah,
1: it? put her in a mountaintop cabin and no one's ever gonna and see No her one now. will
0: ever find her, which is very scary. And that's the like ticking clock that later comes up that you referenced. Yes. But when I say that I was impressed to a certain extent with uh, the depiction of Carl, I guess what I mean is it's not so much a depiction of Carl, but like Elizabeth, they bother to give Elizabeth some sensitivity to what he must be, what his life must be. Yeah. You know, there's just, it's the fleeting moments, which is all, I mean, all he deserves, really.
1: Yeah. I, it's enough to give a sense that Elizabeth is a good person without going too far in making the villain sympathetic.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. Like, did you notice—I mean, there was a moment where she thinks about how lonely it is to sit in this house by herself all day. And she thinks just for a second, I wonder if this is how Carl feels all the time. Yeah. And it was just like— Yes, I bet that is how he feels. Like, now you understand. Of course, she immediately is like, Elizabeth, what are you doing even having sympathy for him? He yeah. fucking stole you away, which is true also, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, later, after the fact of this horrible ordeal, she'll have the synthesis of like, oh, I can sympathize with him and still think he was a really bad person for tying me to a chair in a shack. Like, the, both of those things can coexist.
0: Um, something else that is unique about this book is that the time frame is very tight. Um, there are some books that unfold over the course of, of, you know, a week or multiple weeks or months. This is just a couple of days. Yeah. And so we're going back and forth between the world outside of this basement and the basement. Yeah. And in the world outside, increasingly people are getting concerned about Elizabeth and where she is. Um, going all the way back to the party,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh... Todd, Elizabeth's boyfriend, shows up to the party and is like, hey, Jess, like, where is Liz? There's no love loss between Jess and Todd, as is right. probably evident I, to you. I
1: gleaned that from the text. Um, yeah, he, he is on it pretty quickly. He's like, hey, you were supposed to wait for her and she's not here. And then Jessica lies about it. She knows that if she tells Todd that she left the house without Liz, it's going to be a whole
0: thing. And she she's not really worried about Liz, so she wants to get him off her back. So she makes up a story that Liz had to go babysit for Mr. Collins. Yes. Which is really stupid because she could have just said Liz was tutoring Max Dellen, which is true, and say she had to stay late. Right. You know?
1: Right. Well, I mean— the next step is they call Mr. Collins, and I guess the next step in the other scenario would be to call Max, which probably would have helped Max out a little bit in this book. Um, but the point I want to make about Jessica lying about it is that, like the book goes out of its way to say this is not a thing she normally does or would do about Liz. So I again, I only have this one book for context is, is this out of character for her to lie about this?
0: It's not out of character at all. and I, If anything, I think the book does these weird—you probably notice that the, the narration of this book does this weird gymnastics where it's like—it's not omniscient third person. It's <laughs> like third person slash first person. Like, whoever is being talked about, it's like the world is being shown through their perspective.
1: Yeah. There was actually—there was a cool moment where, like, the narration was on one side of a phone call and then— like pretty seamlessly went like the perspective changed to the other side of the phone call. I thought it was cool.
0: Awesome! I, I love it. I mean, we don't. I I am guilty of not giving the books or these authors enough credit, and it is something that is often really weird. Or sometimes I feel like the third person's not used effectively, but sometimes it's impressive the way that you get inside everybody's heads. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a funny moment where Todd calls Mr. Collins and just says, "Mr. Collins, you're at home." And he said, "Mr. Collins is like." I live here.
1: Who is this? Yeah, like, what? (laughs) Yes, I am. What? (laughs) You can't rob the place. Go away.
0: (laughs) But so Todd is so pissed off that Jessica lied to him that he comes back to the Morrow's house, or he's already at the Morrow's house. He comes he goes, back
1: to the party and
0: shoves her into the yeah, pool. Yeah, he goes right up, he walks right up to Jessica and pushes her into the pool. And oh, what
1: a power move. I
0: was, and then Nicholas Morrow comes over and is like, what the fuck, dude? And I was like so in love with both of them in that moment because it's like Jessica <laughs> totally
1: deserves to be pushed in the pool. <laughs> and but, but also Nicholas has no context he, right, for that at all, no. so he also did good things. <laughs> yeah,
0: so it was really, I was great. It was like, yes, you're both doing something like, Todd, I'm just sort of tickled. It was funny that he did that. But, like, and Jessica's been, like, asking for this for a (laughs) long time. But um, with Nicholas, it's like, yeah, that's a good way to be. You know, it's your party. You don't want to see dudes... If you can picture it from his perspective, it's crazy. Dude, a dude who was
1: rude to this girl he kind of liked walked up to her and pushed yeah. her in the pool for yeah. no reason. Todd has
0: also sort of like grabbed Jessica's arm earlier. Yeah. Like, it's a little bit like if you didn't know what was going on.
1: and And because of that, because one has plenty of context and is in the right and one has no context and is in the right, that's the height of drama.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. So it was very dramatic. and But Jessica um, immediately, when she finds out that Liz still isn't home and, like, we don't know where she is, and realize she finds out what time it is, like, how late it is.
1: Yeah, because she had no track of time. She was just like, I'm at the party. Yeah. Who cares what time it is? So she
0: realizes it's, like, 930, and she's just like, oh, my God. And she immediately switches to being concerned And we find out a few minutes later that when she and Todd drive away, that she hasn't put any clothes on. She's wearing a bikini. She's She's still just in the
1: bikini in the car driving to investigate this kidnapping.
0: Todd tries to give her his jacket to, like, cover herself up because she must be freezing. And she's like, no, I deserve to freeze to death.
1: Which seems, you know, a little dramatic, but that seems in character, so.
0: Yeah. And then they get home and Mrs. Wakefield says about the same thing, like, she says, put something on before you catch your death. And then she immediately is like, <gasps> "Like I shouldn't have said that because Je- Elizabeth might oh, be dead somewhere.
1: And there, we skipped a scene before this, uh, before Jessica gets mm-hmm. home, where the parents come home and they're oh like, oh, gosh. they like Sherlock Holmes in an instant. She's like, uh, that note was there before and... Liz didn't see it. I think something happened. The scene is the most beautiful moment between Ned and Alice
0: Wakefield, which we rarely get a scene like this. Oh, yeah. The mom and dad, they're walking in. They're laughing about how funny some client was. It
1: seems like they have a great relationship. Yeah,
0: well, and they're like, hey, we have have enough steak for leftovers. And Mrs. Wakefield lowers her voice and is like, at least for the two of us. like, Like I don't know. There's something cute about it. Yeah, And when Mrs. Wakefield is worried, Alice is worried that, wait, Liz never saw this note. It's still folded up like you're saying Sherlock Holmes. Ned's like, "Don't worry about that. Come come upstairs." <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm reading between the lines as a yeah. you normal know, woman. Like, go parents. Yeah, all right, okay. Take advantage. The kids aren't home. But uh yeah, then they they kind of go into worried mode the moment that especially when Todd and Jessica come home and nobody can find Liz. Meanwhile, Max Dellen.
1: Max Dellen.
0: is he's like pissed, right? He's studying for Othello, he really needs Liz's help. He's failing English. His band is going to fall apart without him.
1: His band is like the best part about his life and he won't have it if he fails his class. This is
0: a very like relatable teen situation, right? High
1: stakes scenario. You
0: know, like your parents are trying to take away the thing you love the most because you're not doing well enough at school Mm -hmm. and like tough love, but it's like ruining your life. Like that's a very...
1: Yeah, it's very teen angst. Yeah. But, and then like dependable... Liz Wakefield, who said she would come and help, isn't here and he's freaking out. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's like, oh, I just want to play my guitar, but my dad will yell at me and I just don't want to read Othello. I can't do it. He's
0: so worried that he sneaks out of the house, even though he'll get in big trouble.
1: On his motorcycle. The vehicles people drive in this series are very specific choices.
0: Yeah. Every oh, single absolutely. one. It's, all, it's always described. From, from Todd's Datsun to the twin's red Fiat. to this, Oh, the Fiat Spider. To Bruce Patman's Porsche. Like, it's... <laughs> It's all explained. I think we we probably got a make and model for Carl's van, but I don't remember (laughs) what it was. So uh, Max goes to the hospital on his bike, and he also goes into some Sherlock Holmes mode.
1: Yes. He snaps to it. He's trying to do, like, this noble thing of trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. He sees Liz's car, and the red Fiat Spider, and it's, like, unlocked. The door is slightly ajar, and he looks in, and, like, he's still in the ignition, and he starts, like, looking around for a clue. right even though he doesn't really know what one would look like if it slapped him in the face. No,
0: and I don't know about you, but I was already thinking, like, dude, no, you're messing with the The crime crime scene. scene. Like, don't do that. I think
1: think Liz brings that up later. She's like, oh, well, as long as they can find fingerprints on the car, I'm like, no, Max Dillon!
0: (laughs) No! And sure enough, the cops show up, and they're like, caught red-handed. Like, we're sending you to juvie. The cops are really mean to him. The
1: cops are the worst. In this, uh, Um, they have such snap judgments because he has like a couple of what like noise complaints and vandalism what was it
0: they accuse him of having done something to her because or like breaking into her car because she stood him up or something it's like they don't listen to anything he has to say they're very it's a very um some trenchant commentary on the uh, american police force
1: yeah absolutely uh it there's Definitely some jumping to conclusions and writing the story before it plays out in front of them. Yeah,
0: and ultimately the reason that they let him go is because, like, well, they didn't actually catch him doing a crime, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, they...
0: You know? Yeah, like, he didn't didn't
1: break in. There was no proof of breaking and entering. There's no nothing. Just let him... Why? Don't...
0: But he's in huge trouble now with his parents for sneaking out and getting arrested. Well, at
1: first, I thought it was just for being arrested. And I was like, wait, but he didn't do anything as soon as as it comes out. And then I was like, oh, because he snuck out. I forgot that that was the—he did actually sneak out. Yeah. Yeah. because I got so caught up in, like—and then he got sent to prison, and they told him he was going to juvie, and they brought him to the police station, and, like—
0: This is all one night, I think. This is yeah. all Saturday night so far. Almost everything we've talked about is all Saturday night, except for some of the stuff with Elizabeth, which we're jumping around I bit. think
1: that they use the Elizabeth scenes to, like, obscure—maybe, like, kind of how she talks about how, it's, like, time becomes super important. She can't tell if it's day or night. Yeah. And they, they jump to that— And you kind of lose your your own track of it. And then they jump to another scene and it's like a few hours later or the next morning or... I guess we should say
0: how Elizabeth got herself into where she is now. So initially Carl expresses such a fondness for Elizabeth that Elizabeth decides to play on that. She uh, says that she likes him too and we're friends. And like since we're friends you can untie me. And she has this thought process in her head like... I'm gonna have to use the element of surprise. And, you know, the moment that I get enough trust that he unties me, I'm gonna bolt. And I wrote a note here in the book where that happened that said, this seems like a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she's done this work to get his trust, but she doesn't really know the lay of the land yet. And so it's like, the moment you bolt, like that's it for you. Like yep. he knows that you're lying to him. That
1: trust is a commodity and you have to cash it in at the right time.
0: Yeah. So, but, sh- and sure enough, she fails because she doesn't realize that there's like another door beyond the door that she had to get through. Yeah. She doesn't know the house. And so now she's tied up again. And there's this really, I don't know, oh, dark <laughs> moment where we cut back to Carl. Like, Elizabeth thinks she's going to die. It's like a cliffhanger. Like, oh, no, now he's going to kill me now that I tried to escape. Yeah, and and we then- cut back, we find out that his reaction to her running away was that he started to cry. Yeah. Like, really, like, bawl.
1: The dynamic between Carl and Liz is. That's why I'm so pri- so surprised that like there wasn't much run up in other books is because like it it gets really deep into there really fast. Yeah, like it dives headfirst to the bottom of that relationship, like everything it can get out of out of these two interacting is just, it's wild.
0: Yeah. But so he's so hurt that she did this to him that he ties her up again and she's like tied to a chair. He feeds her. um, He feeds
1: her like really stale pancakes and she's like, oh cool, I need this sustenance if I'm going to try to escape again. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And he's basically feeding her twice a day and I guess she doesn't go to the bathroom all day while he's, because he's going to work. Yeah. There are lots of things where Elizabeth has this plan, like this is what's going to, um, be My plan of how people are how, why their people are going to find me they're going to know when he doesn't come to work they're going to put two and two together. well, then Carl goes to work mm-hmm. or the the thing about the fingerprints you mentioned, like oh yeah, all of her hopes like keep falling falling by the wayside
1: uh one thing that I did think, and maybe it's because I've seen so many movies now is that like she 's tied to a wooden chair, right she's just like kick it over and try to break it, and then she kick yeah. get out of the chair and then. Escape while he's at work.
0: Or like find, like, hop to something sharp and like yeah. cut open the ropes. I, I was Don't was sit the there all thing. day. Instead she's like, oh, he tied the ropes really well again. I guess i just have to <laughs> sit here thinking about how much I miss my awful sister and uh, like kissing my boyfriend and stuff <laughs> like that. Like she's got to hang on to her memory so that she can remain her herself and hang on to her sanity. Yeah. So that's what she spends her days doing. Oh, and
1: he brings her books. Oh, right, but they're, like, really, it's just whatever he could grab because he can't read. And so he's just, like, grabbing, like, a manual for something. Actually,
0: they were paperbacks, the kind that were readily available from the hospital gift shop. Carl hadn't chosen his selections carefully. One dealt with the strategy of investing. One was a book on raising farm animals. And the third was a collection of bedtime stories for children. Uh, which, I mean, it's not that funny, but, like, what kind of hospital gift shop yeah. has a story about, has a book about how to raise farm animals?
1: What hospital gift shop has a book about investing? Like, what <laughs> yes. what hospital gift shops are you going to? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, I do, and that's part of what you were saying, is that, like, she's like, oh, he'll, the gift shop person will notice that he's buying all these things, and then he, he, Like, he
0: brings him a blue cardigan he bought for her, but he didn't buy it at the hospital. He's like... It at a store. He's like, um a savant or something like yeah. he he doesn't he's very dumb yeah.
1: but he's like kind of been methodical about this this whole process yeah. And that's, I mean, that's part of what's scary.
0: Um, I think the detail of him not being able to read its also, like, sort of, you know, heart-wrenching.
1: Yeah, it's part of... It. I mean, they definitely play it very sympathetically in the book. It's like, oh...
0: I mean, I'm impressed with the book that they bothered to, like, make a character for Carl. You yeah. Know? like, give him some sort of way where you could piece together why he might do this.
1: That's fair. I mean, I guess that's how you get teens to buy into this yeah. ludicrous <laughs> yeah. situation.
0: Um. So, Elizabeth is... Uh, tied to this chair, and she is marking the days in the leg of the chair with her fingernail. Like yeah. she's like hashing a hash mark in the wood to mark how many days have passed. But pretty soon she finds out that like in just like a day, he's gonna whisk her off to this place in the mountains, and uh, then like she'll never be found again. Yeah. Because if she tried to run away, she would get lost. That's what Carl tells her. But the kidnapping plot, like, that's that's about it. You know, the, the everybody's worried.
1: I mean, they kind of have a bunch of scenes of, like, the next bunch of hours where, uh, you know, they call the police and it's over a weekend. So they're just like, well, what if she was a runaway? We had to let Max Dellen go. Um, I think the Wakefields blame Max Dellen for, like, a, like, buy into it. Um, it turns it to its own like regular cereal in the middle there.
0: Well, ultimately, Stephen and Jessica just don't believe that Max could have done anything to hurt Liz. Like they they don't think that he would have, and and um, that leads into an uh, altercation with Todd yeah. on Monday morning. So they go ahead and go to school because their parents are all kind of like, "There's no point in just sitting home and worrying. Like, go about your lives." Which is a good, probably good parenting advice. Yeah, and so. Todd starts to think, like, well, just because Jessica and Stephen trust Max doesn't mean I trust Max. Like, I need to hear it from him. Max takes his English test.
1: Yeah, they actually like give him an out, and they're like, "Hey, you went through this traumatic experience; you don't have to take the test today." And he's like, "No, I'm going to take it today." And then, as soon as the teacher turns, or as soon as Mr. Collins turns around, he's like, "Damn it, I should have skipped it."
0: Yeah, my pride like kept me from doing it. But then he passes the test. Yeah, and he he does great. So good job, Max! Like he studied, like he was so worried, like he was grounded in his. Yeah, he like
1: channeled his his. Uh, emotions into the studying kind of and like yeah that was that's pretty good so happy ending for max except elizabeth's still missing
0: and people still think that he did it like half the people at school think that he did it and the other half are just looking at him with looks of pity
1: yeah well i think that half of them think he did it and half don't think he did it but see the people who do think he did it and also the fact that he got dragged down to the police station for no reason if he didn't do it right and like that's a bunch of shit, but Max yeah. doesn't. Max also doesn't want anybody to pity him. He, right. he wants people to think he's tough.
0: This is a theme in this book, I'm realizing, not, not wanting to be pitied. <laughs> uh, so then Todd... Like, calls out, like, yo, Dylan, like, stop right there. And, like, goes and has this confrontation with Max where he punches him in the face. Yeah,
1: Max actually has, like, pretty good things. He, like, responds pretty appropriately. Is like, hey, I understand why you're mad at me, but I seriously didn't do it. And, like, the only thing I can tell you is that the police let me go because I didn't do it. And Todd wails off and punches him.
0: Yeah, and then Jessica, of all people, runs up and is like, stop what you're doing. Stop this madness. Like... And she explains to Todd, like, listen, like, think this through. Max was really excited that Liz had agreed to tutor him. Like, why would he do something bad to the one person that was going to help him? Yeah. And Todd realizes that his anger is like masking, his like, like his judgment.
1: Yeah. Well, but also his his frustration that like the control has been taken away from him. Right. Mm-hmm. All of these people had the control taken away from them in this situation, and. Um, I guess you got you kind of just, like, get a, a good snapshot of all, like, the main players and how they deal with that. Jessica makes a really good point at, like, trying to get them to stop fighting. He's like, hey, guys, like, we're all looking for her. We're all on the same side.
0: Yeah, she does say that. Yeah. So good, good job, Jessica. And um, I think this is now we're basically at, the, like, the climax of the yeah. story <laughs> where um, they agreed to team up. And go to uh, the hospital. Like, they're basically going to go around town and, like, try to...
1: Yeah, they they together. gathered the Scooby gang, and now they're going to go look for clues. <laughs> exactly.
0: And so, uh, listeners will recall that we said earlier in the episode that Carl has been going to work. Um, but for some reason, even though Carl works at this hospital, he doesn't know that Elizabeth has a twin sister.
1: Well, okay, I will posit you this. They say he doesn't talk to a lot of other people. They say that Jessica often shirks her duties onto Elizabeth.
0: That's true. Well, and it's also possible that every time Carl saw Jessica, he thought he was just seeing Elizabeth. That's
1: what I mean. And, like, no one would have corrected. He would have not ever spoken to anybody who could have been like, oh, actually, there's two of them. Right. Um, Yeah, they they go to investigate at the hospital, and Carl freaks out when Jessica walks in and is like, Elizabeth, how did you get out? Yeah, he screams in the middle of a hallway.
0: And Jessica, yeah, and and Max sees this happen. Todd's like downstairs, but Max sees this happen and like jumps on Carl, like pins him to the ground. And but Jessica is so quick on her feet, and they have done this a little bit before. They've been twins their whole lives. Yeah, sure. She takes on the guise of Elizabeth. She sort of like tries to adopt Elizabeth's tone.
1: And this is when I start realizing that I'm just reading Shakespeare. Please go on. Oh, just at the end of a lot of comedies, the villain gets captured and there's some like mistaken identity yeah. or like common quirk that leads to it all falling apart.
0: Um a uh, comedy of errors, I believe, is actually all about sets of twins. Yeah,
1: like- it's about uh two uh sets of twins that both got separated at birth, uh one of one set of whom both became nobles and the other set of whom became their servant. And like they're all like crossed.
0: I was in a community theater production of that show when I was, um, I believe in ninth grade. All right. And I played a prostitute.
1: Nice. Yeah,
0: yeah. Cool. So that was fun. Her name was Luce. Uh Shakespeare.
1: <laughs> that's also that's also tracks of Shakespeare. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Shakespeare was really, really good at hiding every dirty joke he possibly could mm-hmm. in what some would argue were the greatest stories ever told in English language. <laughs>
0: Um, and, I mean, so greatest stories ever told in the English language. We've got Shakespeare on the one hand. On the other hand, Francine Pascal.
1: Yeah, Sweet Valley she's, High, absolutely. She's mimicking Obviously. the bar. The, the, the influence on this work is just, it's undeniable.
0: Well, I mean, Othello is mentioned right there. Actually, the yeah. Book, no way, you you're know?
1: right. You're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. I realize, I mean, we're both joking, and then we realize as we're joking, like, oh, like, this we were kind very of un- aware of yeah, yeah, this does kind of
1: unfold as a Shakespearean drama, this oh, one.
0: Oh, how badly do I want to write, like, the Shakespeare English version? of this story. In
1: this essay, I will write how Sweet Valley High and Shakespeare's classics are in actuality the same. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful.
0: (laughs) Uh, But Jessica only pretends to be Elizabeth long enough uh, for the cops to be called and for Carl to be apprehended. And then she's like... I'm she, Carl's like, Why are you doing this, Elizabeth? And she's like, I'm not Elizabeth. I'm a <laughs> twin. She
1: gets up in his face and is like, Ha, huh, I'm not Elizabeth. I haven't been to Elizabeth the whole time and pulls on her hair, but it's the same color hair because they're just <laughs> twins. And she's like, Ow. But it is just me, though. Ah, uh, the Scooby Doo. So yeah, now we're exactly. getting the
0: Scooby Doo influence. Yes.
1: I mean, he cops to everything as soon as they take him. He yeah. was like, Yep, I did it. And then they go get her.
0: Yeah.
1: And Uh, she's going to be on TV telling her story before Jessica's story comes out.
0: Elizabeth comes home, and a chapter starts, and it's like, Elizabeth answered her mother's question. You know, the first thing I want to do, well, first I want to take a hot bath, and second, I want to plan a big party.
1: (laughs) Classic teens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went back to read my blog post on this, a book from, um, you know, way back in the early 2000s when I first read it. Oh, wow. And one of the things I pointed out, I hadn't noticed this time through, so it was kind of fun to see it, um, that... There's a line where Elizabeth says that she's seeing her friends for the first time since the kidnapping. But it's like, that was literally two days ago.
1: Yeah. So. Well, I mean, but the thing about this book is that it moves at such like a slow pace that those, that that couple day skip actually feels like way later. Yeah, yeah. It feels like the epilogue of the story. Yeah. Even though it's only a couple days. And you said that other books take place over months?
0: There are a few that are like that.
1: You want to talk about uh, classic drama? I do. Um. There is a seminal work in theater uh, called uh, "The Poetics" by Aristotle. Sure. And uh, in that, uh, Aristotle talks about what makes a good story. Uh, uh, is called verisimilitude, mm-hmm. the uh, a- as close to real life as you can get it. And one of the things he talked about in writing good stories is a verisimilitude of time, such that like the audience is always aware of how much time has passed because in a theater show, like. Like, a play shouldn't ever take place over the course of more than 24 or 48 hours or something. Okay. Um, and just, like, doing that helps the audience buy into the fiction. Mm. And so that the books seem not to obey any sort of verisimilitude of time where it could just be, like, as much time as it needs for the plot as fast as we go. Because they're only, like, 150 pages. Right. And, the, and the, top, the typeface is very big. Um, that, like they just throw verisimilitude of time out the window
0: that's definitely true that's like the that's the sort of science fiction of the series yeah. you have to that's the big ask like the thing that you have to buy into is like I guess they're just always 16 yeah um I think that now that we've gotten all the way through the plot of the book this could be the time in the podcast where we talk about boys
1: oh let's talk about boys beautiful beautiful I'm boys
0: that you'd like to uh, point
1: out, I just think that um all of the boys, for the most part in this book, were like acting pretty nobly that like all of them displayed noble qualities, um except I will say, for Todd's punch, Todd should have chilled out and not punched,
0: yeah, but that gives an opportunity for um Max to really step up and be such a gentleman because he does not like hold a grudge against Todd he really understands where Todd's coming from and at the party at the end of the book they have this moment where uh, they're like joking about it
1: yeah they're like and they're cool dudes because it was just a misunderstanding yeah and and
0: Todd makes a joke about how um his hand really is sore from (laughs)
1: from punching him punching really hurts I'm sorry I did it yeah um yes and like I, I mean Because of the book series that it is, I just sort of like assumed all the boys were dreamy in the first place. And so, because they're all dreamy in my brain, uh, I was like, well, okay, let's judge them on their, you know, uh, other qualities, their personalities and such. And for a large part of the book, I had trouble uh, picking one.
0: You know what? Um, That's really interesting. I think that's a good point. Um, I mean, sometimes. It's so frustrating that the, everybody in this town is so good-looking. You're like, okay, come on. But, yeah, it's like, so you've got to be judged on the content of your character. Yeah, If like everybody's on an equal plane of beauty.
1: Uh, I think The Incredibles said it best, when everyone's super, no one will be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, they're, I think the biggest... Uh, boy news in this book is about nicholas morrow It was a new boy on the scene
1: yeah Um, such a mystery boy
0: and there's a couple of details one thing that i thought was kind of fun was that we learned that kara and jessica have a rule of friendship that's like an unspoken rule and it is thou shalt not chase after the same boy as your best friend
1: yeah that's that's pretty that lines up pretty well with like like, boy codes and girl codes that I remember from being a kid.
0: I was kind of surprised that these two had, had this code. Um, They have a third friend in Lila Fowler who's not, like, quite as close, but Je- Jessica and Lila definitely do not have that.
1: Uh, is Lila Fowler, like, the, the one who tries to sabotage her at the party?
0: Jessica is afraid that Lila is talking to Nicholas too much. And right. She's going to, like, sink her hooks into him. Um, then... So when Jessica first lays eyes on Nicholas Morrow, it's pretty great.
1: (laughs) Wait, okay, can I read it? Please. Great. Jessica turned around and got her first look at Adonis personified. Like Regina, he was blessed with a full head of black wavy hair, which he wore sweat back off his face, the waves falling in perfect layers down to the nape of his neck. From his piercing deep-set emerald green eyes to the cleft in his chin, he had a face that would make any model burn with envy. That was a hoot.
0: Yeah. So he's a good-looking boy. I don't know about this hair description. The cleft
1: chin, deep emerald green. That reads like poetry I read in middle school.
0: I like that he's an Adonis. Yeah. Um, but then other big news about Nicholas Morrow is comes at the end of the book when Nicholas lays eyes on Liz for the first time. And Liz is like, oh, I'll go get Jessica. And he's like, no, that's okay. Like, I want to talk to you.
1: Whoa, what a big switch.
0: And he's like, I've heard so much about you from Jessica that, you know, I feel like I know you. And he, Nicholas is like, he's a new kind of boy in this town that he's like, he's wealthy and handsome, but he's also like kind of deep. And he can tell that Elizabeth is the one of the twins that he would have more like in common with, which is true, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Even though he
0: gets, like, the best of Jessica because Jessica's very honest with him.
1: That's true. Jessica really, like, opens up and is kind of mature with him, which is weird, then, that he's kind of, like hmm I like how you look but if your whole personality could be di- oh it can cool And then goes after the other one that's a little yeah. weird
0: I actually though I really feel for Jessica though because she's got the hots for Nicholas and if I were Jessica I would definitely think the feelings were reciprocated because he's like listening to me he's like taking a walk and like rubbing my back and I, you know he's that's true like, opening up to me about his own scary story about when he was a kid and Regina he thought that Regina was going to die on a fire. It turns out that she wasn't even there when the building burned down. I know that's a lot to cram into a little yeah, bit joke, but that how <laughs> it felt in the book, too. So
1: Yeah. No, and that's why I kind of lapsed on that piece of behavior when I called Nicholas, like, you know, a pretty noble guy. Like, that happens on, like, the last page of the book, and it's so... It, it was so sudden, I almost, I guess I didn't process it in the, my reading of it. I was like, oh, whoa, that's <laughs> sure. so...
0: That's really, like, next book business. It's just, like... Yeah, it seemed, it it seemed the like
1: one. the stinger for the next one. Like, aha, yeah. tune in next time.
0: Yeah, it definitely was. Um, anything else about boys?
1: Um, I think uh, if I was in high school, I would have a big crush on uh, Max Allen.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, he's very cool.
1: I was also into, like, the punk band, like, kids who play rock music at parties and, you know, I also, like, I would have helped him with his Shakespeare homework.
0: (laughs) (laughs) By all accounts, um, the band is really good, too.
1: It sounds really good. The Droids, that sounds like a dope band.
0: Yeah, it would be a cool band now. I I think that... I similarly, like, I've always been really attracted to, to talented musicians, like, of any genre. Mm-hmm. Like, if you watch someone, if you like, watch him play, oh, yeah. a, like, his instrument and, like, he's really good at it. I don't know. this just, like, something comes over me. Like, oh, look at that guy. Like, somebody that maybe <laughs> I didn't even notice before. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh. I remember there was some kid when I was in high school that was, like, totally not my type. Like, he was he was a good-looking guy, mm-hmm. but he was, like, kind of a jock. It was not, like, really my thing. And I remember he was in band, and I saw watched him play the trumpet once, and I was like, dang, look at that guy. Mm. <laughs> Which is such a reverse of normal that <laughs> mm. <laughs> I was like, jock, no, trumpet well, boy, like, <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: Well, uh, like, the brain processes music and speech and all that other sound in, like, different places in the brain. So, I don't know, maybe there's something to, like, if you process that information through a new pathway, it, it lights up different parts oh, of the brain in different ways. That's
0: beautiful. What about Mr. Collins?
1: Oh, um, even Mr. Collins was, like, noble in his own way. He was like, as soon as he got the phone call at the par- like from them at the party, being like, hey, is Liz there? You know, no, I'm just at home. But as soon as he hung up from that phone call, he was like, oh, that call was weird. Something's wrong. And he, like, he went over to the Wakefield's house and was, like, one of the first people there to, like, give the family comfort, like, do what he could. And he just, like, also handled things with grace and it was like he
0: he was really looking out for max like to to take the time to say i know that you were struggling with this and that this liz was supposed to help you i tried to arrange for that and on top of her not helping you you had all the stress of this crazy situation that happened like if you want to to postpone the test until later you can was a very like like big-hearted and um considerate thing to do
1: i feel like if that had happened to me and and similar things did happen to me through my education. I had, fortunately, a really good education. Um, but, like, it just would have been one of those moments where I would have been like, yes, school, the student-teacher relationship is one thing. But, like, being people is also important outside of the system of, like, grades and tests. Yeah. And it's one of those moments that, like, helps you grow
0: in, in other
1: ways that school doesn't always touch on and it was really nice yeah i like, agree i think he, he's probably a good teacher
0: yeah i think he's a great teacher i mean for all of the all of the attention that gets paid to his um attractiveness i think <laughs> his real talent as a teacher is in being like the voice of reason he's like a great person to talk to like he he like really cares about the kids so uh,
1: in conclusion except for some small bits of behavior near the end of the book all boys in this book. Very good. All right. Good boys. It's a
0: it's a it's in Brave New World in Sweet Valley. <laughs> the boys are actually being nice for a change. Bruce Patman does not appear in this book.
1: A beautiful boy a beautiful boy, a beautiful boy.
0: I would love to ask you a question that I think is a little bit complicated to answer based on this book alone, but I bet you have an answer. Okay. And it is, are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth?
1: Oh I think I'm probably an Elizabeth. I don't know she she seems a lot less concerned with like and i this is only based on this book wherein she doesn't have a chance to prepare for the party and then gets kidnapped for two days right um, but I think I was never really the one who wanted to ditch everything to go to a party. I never spent three hours working on my outfit. I never that was never really my concern. Um, it still isn't, although, like, I understand if you want to look nice, you, you if you want people to think you're good, you have to look nice. Um, but, like, <laughs> even, like, as a kid, I definitely was not worried about those sort of things. I wanted to make sure that, like, everyone was passing their courses if I could help it. I wanted to, like, I don't know, I wanted to, to help people. I was a theater kid, and so unprompted and without pay, I was always sort of helping out.
0: Well, and... Even though you don't get to see Elizabeth be Elizabeth in this book, like, look at the facts that you have about her. She was leaving a long day volunteering at the hospital on her, like, day off to go tutor a kid who was doing bad in English before rushing home to go with her sister to a party that her sister really cared about for yeah. the new kids in town. And, like, that's what gets derailed. And then everybody in the town comes together to—not everybody in the town, but, like, all these people that care about her are, like, searching for her. And she she really does, like, try to—she um, tries to, like— be clever and, like, come mm-hmm. out with a way to to yeah. find her freedom, even if she is a little melodramatic.
1: Well, I mean, she yeah, she's 16. But, like, I, <laughs> yeah. I I like to think now I've never been in that situation and I hope never be in that situation. I hope that I, that's sort of how I would be. I tend to be pretty methodical about things. So, yeah, I think I'm an Elizabeth.
0: Yeah, well, for me, the I mean, I am such an Elizabeth, but this is another one of those books where there's a detail that just hammers it in even deeper. Like, I think that her pausing to consider, like, what drove Carl to this behavior and her own inner struggle with, like, was I too t- too kind? But, like, uh, what else should I have done? Like, I, like that sort of mm-hmm. um, conversation that she has, where even in this situation where she's so angry and she does not understand how anybody could do this to another human being, she still can't help herself but, like, trying to get... Um, a little bit of perspective on Carl as a human being.
1: Yeah. I I also hope that I would do that in that situation. I'm not going to lie. I would probably be like, okay, what can I learn about this person to gain an advantage on them as quickly as possible? How do I get out?
0: Yeah. Well, and Liz does that too, but then she just blows her wild like right away. B- yeah. <laughs> by, by like trying to escape. And then- Above
1: all, Liz Wakefield bad at escaping. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Misha, thank you so much for joining me. This has been such an amazing conversation.
1: My pleasure.
0: Um, I don't know if this will be the last Sweet Valley High novel that you read, but if it's the only one, you got a, a real humdinger.
1: Yeah, geez. I might go just read the ones with exclamation points just so I have some more context.
0: That's actually not a bad uh, methodology in oh. terms of how to approach the Sweet Valley High novel. Okay. If you only want the real juicy ones. <laughs> Um, Well, I want to thank Misha. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank Jocelyn Schofield for the use of the song Beautiful Boys. Um, Jocelyn recently had one of her songs featured on So You Think You Can Dance. Um, So that's pretty exciting. That's so Um, cool. So check out Jocelyn on uh, wherever you find music. Jocelyn Schofield, S-C-O-F-I-E-L-D. And... um, Send me an email, sweetvalleydiaries at me.com, or you can find me on Instagram where I love to post fun promo videos for every episode. And I have a lot more fun on Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries than on Twitter at Sweet Valley, but I'm on Twitter too at Sweet Valley. <laughs> uh, Misha, can people look out for some of your shows? Or? Oh my
1: gosh, yes. Um, the best place to find out everything I'm doing is probably to follow me on Twitter at MishaETC. M-I-S-C-H-A-E-T-C, Misha, etc. There, there I have links to all of my podcasts, big and small: uh, LeVar Burton Reads, Safe for Work, uh, Ars Paradoxica, Star Tripper, The Far Meridian, The Bright Sessions. Uh, I just signed on to one that's called Unwell, uh, which is by a company out of Chicago named Heartlife NFP. It's going to be super cool, and everything.
0: This is just its just so exciting. So much great stuff to check out. So everybody, like, get your podcast cues, uh, you know, yeah, all yeah, lined yeah. up.
1: And hey, listeners out there, you should review Sweet Valley Diaries and rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts because it's a really, really helpful way for new listeners to find the show.
0: Oh, Misha, what a good idea to have listeners do that.
1: Yeah, they should do it.
0: I agree. Listeners... <laughs> Give me all the stars. Every or, star. Or, you know, subscribe, write a review would be really cool. As
1: many stars as there are Sweet Valley High books, which are a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. So just keep rating over and over again. Uh, <laughs> but rate in five-star increments, please. <laughs> Great. Oh, uh, will you want to tease us for book 14?
1: Yeah. Will Elizabeth leave Todd for Nicholas? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 14, Deceptions.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. You have to, it's your podcast. (laughs) I
0: feel like I've forgotten everything that happens in the (laughs) book, but it'll come back. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, this is great. Hey, Erin,
1: are we recording? Great, thank you. Oh, wonderful.
0: Thanks, Erin. Oh, and you sound so crisp and clear in the headphones. (laughs) This is just, I'm so tickled. This is really exciting (laughs) for me. It's like I daydreamed about this moment, and here it's finally here. (laughs) Okay, you ready?
1: Yes.